0: Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behaviour, sleep, and more. Helping a child who's suffering from anxiety can be really tough. Firstly, it's difficult to watch them suffer. Then it's difficult to get on with life, to get them to daycare, school, parties or other events, depending on what triggers their anxiety. It can make life more stressful and challenging when you're not able to reassure or calm them down. Parenting educator Michael Gross and wellbeing expert Dr Jodie Richardson understand that it's a tough gig and they've written a book called Anxious Kids, How Children Can Turn Their Anxiety Into Resilience and I've got Jodie on the phone. Hi Jodie, how are
1: you? I'm really well Siobhan, how are you?
0: Good, thank you. Um, In your book you say it's likely that Anxious children will have at least one anxious parent. Does that make a difficult situation more problematic? It it can do. It it is. There is definitely a genetic component to anxiety, and uh, but
1: not if a child has a genetic uh, predisposition to anxiety, they won't necessarily uh, be. Uh, they won't necessarily suffer with anxiety unless there are. Uh, triggers that sort of, uh, set the ball in motion to, to cause them some, some challenges. So just because somebody has that predisposition doesn't necessarily mean they'll have the, the problem, but it, it is something that we, you know, we like to forewarn people so that parents can recognise in themselves their own anxiety because there is definitely a contagious nature to the condition whereby, you know, if we as parents are sort of reacting and, and uh, displaying our own anxieties and our own stress it can tend to rub off on the people around us.
0: Um, and going back to the kids for a moment how many children in Australia do we know suffer from anxiety?
1: So we know that one in seven children in ang- in Australia on average have a diagnosed mental illness and of those half have anxiety. So the statistics at the moment show a diagnosis of around 1 in 14 or about 2 in every Australian classroom. Uh, but we firmly believe that there are many, many more uh, children who
0: are struggling with anxiety, but it's unrecognised or
1: undiagnosed.
0: Do we know why the numbers are so high? Because that sounds quite high to me. Yeah,
1: yeah, it, it really does. It really is is a high figure and... and uh, Yeah, look, there's a lot of influences on anxiety for kids and, you know, there are certainly those ones we can't change, the genetic predisposition uh, and also the personality and temperament traits that our our kids are born with. We can't change those. Outside influences uh, include a range of factors such as uh, overscheduling and just everybody having too much on, not enough white space in the life of kids. Actually not enough in the in the in the life of families in general, uh, not enough downtime. You know our brains aren't uh, really able to cope with constant stimulation, we need some rest, we need some quiet time. and uh, so um it's probably no surprise then that screens play into into uh, you know mental health and anxiety, and screens in particular on a few levels. there's an opportunity cost when kids are on screens what they're not doing, not exercising, perhaps not playing with their friends, not engaging with their family. Screens can also interfere with sleep from the blue light that can interfere with the sleep hormone production. Uh, And sleep we know uh, intuitively and also through the science how important that is for mood. And uh, thirdly, when it comes to screens, the content can be... uh, course can cause fear depending on what kids are seeing if they're seeing a lot of world events that they might not necessarily be old enough to understand how far they are away or the likelihood of that happening in their hometown but also uh, in terms of social media even just the fear of missing out or the comparison. Uh,
0: They're just a few examples of what's sort of influencing um, the rates of anxiety these days. So with what you just said then do you believe that you can put in preventative measures for anxious children like you might know you have a predisposition to anxiety and your child is only uh, not even crawling yet Um, are you able to put in measures that will help that child kind of avoid (laughs) I'm not saying they could entirely avoid but might make it easier for them to sidestep anxiety altogether?
1: Yes yes so it's there there are definitely things that parents can do if you if you do know that you have um, anxiety in the family because what what we are really keen for parents to to be clear on is that anxiety is really normal. we all get anxious and uh, it's not uh, something to be fearful of uh, it's a normal emotion when our kids have stressful events in their lives or challenges and uh, what we know, of course, though, is that with normal anxiety, it passes when the stressor passes. And so an anxiety disorder is more so when uh, it spills over into impacting daily life and daily functioning and overall happiness and well-being. So from a young age, if parents can help their children uh, help their children develop emotional intelligence, help them develop an ability to uh, we use the Ruler Principle from uh, from Yale, so it's R-U-L-E-R, recognise, understand, label, express and regulate their feelings. To know that it's completely normal to have a range of feelings, all feelings are okay, including anxiety. And to help children develop the skills of uh, mindfulness and of intentional breathing and to be able to link that, those skills with uh, protecting and bolstering their mental health because I think as parents we're really good at got to eat our greens because we need all the vitamins and minerals and eating a variety of colourful vegetables and fruits and got to move our body because we know it's good for our bones and our muscles and our heart and so on. Helping kids to understand that their mental health is really important. It's equally as important as their physical health and for them to learn the skills and the strategies that will help them have flourishing mental health. And I mentioned a couple there, uh, which is, um, the breathing, which helps calm the amygdala. So when we become highly anxious, our amygdala is firing on all cylinders and breathing, uh, is known to help to calm the amygdala down. But one of the challenges is practicing breathing under anxious circumstances and so developing those skills in between anxious circumstances and just having good breathing skills and mindfulness skills built into daily life. Uh, exercise is huge. It should be a prescription for anxiety so developing a love of exercise, parent role modelling is excellent for that and um, yeah building those emotional intelligence skills. They're many of the ways parents can help protect their children and also if their children do Uh, end up having challenges with their mental health and anxiety, they've got those in place to support them.
0: We talk a lot in the parenting world about resilience and there's a lot of criticism of parents who are overprotecting their children, not letting them fail and not allowing themselves to, I don't know, experience hardship so that they can understand that they can bounce back from that. I imagine the idea of teaching a child resilience when they're also quite anxious is a bit of a tricky one for parents because, on one hand, you want to help uh, help them self regulate, but how do you do that in a conscious way where you're not overprotecting them at the same time? Yeah, it is a balance, and
1: uh, we, we write in the book about Michael wrote this particular section about the parenting style that really best supports an anxious child, and it is a balance because anxious kids need warmth and understanding and empathy. So in the midst of an anxious moment, they need a parent to say, I get it, I can see this is really hard for you. I know you're really worried. We use R statements. Oh, I can tell that this is something that's really causing you a lot of upset. So kids see, okay, my parents understand. They get where I'm at. Uh, the second uh, aspect of parenting children need from a, from a parent is a parent who will gently support them and encourage them to keep moving in the direction of what's causing them fear and challenge and not supporting avoidance. So avoidance is really uh, so common. It's such a hallmark of anxiety. Uh, If it causes fear for a child, they don't want to do it. And that's the case for a lot of adults as well. Avoidance is uh, putting us in our comfort zone. So children also need to be inched closer, step-by-step towards what it is that is causing them the angst. And in doing so, they can they can learn and teach their brain that I can do this, I can take a step in the direction of what's causing me the anxiety and I can cope and that builds resilience for them to take another step. You can only build resilience when you've experienced overcoming hardship and if we protect our kids from hardship, uh, of course, within reason, uh, if we continually protect them and... Uh, let them avoid what causes them the challenge they won't learn that they can do it um there's a step laddering approach we outline uh you know for for example a child who uh doesn't want to go on school camp because they have separation anxiety you know that's a really big leap and you wouldn't throw them in the deep end but you'd look at okay we're separating at a friend's house we're separating at a grandparent's house we're maybe having a falling asleep at a grandparent's house and then getting picked up, falling asleep at a grandparent's house and then staying the night, not, not sleeping through at a friend's house, maybe starting by going to sleep, then getting picked up and building, building, building closer to that big goal, but just in, in, in small steps that show the child, I can do this, I can still do this, even if I'm anxious, they don't have to wait till they're not anxious to do it, but just with all their management tools in place, and great supportive adults who are encouraging but also nurturing, um, then we can help anxious kids become more resilient and that's our best gift to them.
0: And finally, um, you mentioned a few strategies earlier about how we can help our children with anxiety and understanding self-regulation and breathing techniques, etc. I know as a parent that you can have the best plans to teach your child those sorts of things and hopefully... Any parent listening to this will try and bring those strategies into their lives. But sometimes you find yourself in a situation where your child is just having an anxious moment. It might be when you're leaving them at daycare or school or there are too many crowds or it's just you're, you're somewhere and you need to help them with, with their anxiety right at that moment. Yeah. What's the best thing you can do as a parent then?
1: Yeah, so in the moment, we, we refer to that as sort of helping them in the right, the moment. We talk about responding instead of reacting. So we have a series of steps. So the first thing is recognize what it is that's, that's happening before you. Uh, it may not always be anxiety, but if it is anxiety, it's really important to know what you're looking for and how it plays out for your child. And that's usually in the way the child thinks, behaves and, um, and acts, sorry, <laughs> thinks, feels and acts. And so recognising it is first, validating it is second. I know it's really hard for you to separate. I, I I know that I know that you would very much like to stay with me. This is in the case of, say, a, a younger child at prep wanting to stay with mum instead of separating. I know that you would really like to do this, but school's really important and, you know, I, I'll be here to pick you up, let the child know how the day's going to play out, a bit of social storytelling so they know what to expect and that, like we've said before, mum's going to say goodbye at the door, and Mrs. James is going to take you in and get you set up and get you settled and, and uh, get this routine happening. So recognize it, validate it, help them to take a few breaths if, if they're practiced in their breathing, reorient, reorient their attention to the now. because And this is why mindfulness practice, which is peppered through the day for young kids over their childhood, is important because anxiety is distress now about a possible future. And uh, the possible future in that child's mind in that moment could be something's going to happen to mum. And so to bring them back to the now through their senses, what can you hear, what can you see, uh, holding a teacher's hand or really grounding them in the moment will help them to calm their system and then moving in, moving them in the direction of what matters. So the five steps are recognise it, validate, help them take a few breaths, reorient their attention to what's happening in the moment and really help them to move forward. And that could be separating into a classroom. Uh, That could be uh, an intermediate step where you're step-laddering it and you're going in the classroom as a parent um, over a small period of time and then you're sort of weaning yourself back. Um, There's lots of ways to do it, but in the moment, they're the steps that we highly
0: recommend. Jodie, there's so much in your book that will help parents. Thank you so much for talking to us today.
1: Well, thank you for having me today. I really appreciate the time.
0: That's Dr. Jodie Richardson. She is a co-author of Anxious Kids, How Children Can Turn Their Anxiety Into Resilience. And for information on where you can get your hands on a copy of the book, head to the notes on this episode. Has your child ever woken up screaming and crying and you've wondered what on earth is going on? In a night terror situation, the child is not receiving the input from the environment. So they're not feeling the cuddle. They're not feeling the love, if you like. So it's not helping them. And in most cases, night terrors won't be stopped by somebody giving them a cuddle or trying to help them. That's Professor Sarah Blunden, a paediatric sleep specialist. She's explaining how to tell your child has a night terror and what to do about them. That's next on Feed, Play, Love. This podcast is produced by Debbie Ning and hosted by me, Siobhan Hunt.